Hello, and welcome back to Affirmative Action. I'm Antoinette Grajeda. You may have noticed a recent uptick in efforts to ban books across the country. In fact, more than 330 unique cases of book bans and challenges were reported to the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom between September 1st and November 30th of 2021. Challenge totals in 2021 more than doubled the number of reports from 2020 and far outpaced 2019 numbers. According to the National Coalition Against Censorship, many of the books being targeted are ones that discuss the LGBTQ community as well as race and racism. Despite the increase in these challenges, a national poll commissioned by the American Library Association found bipartisan support for the freedom to read. Released on March 24, 2022, the poll reported 7 in 10 voters oppose efforts to remove books from public libraries, including majorities of voters across party lines. Additionally, 74% of parents of public school children expressed a high degree of confidence in school librarians to make good decisions about which books to make available to kids. Majorities of public school parents also affirmed various types of books should be available in school libraries on an age-appropriate basis. This includes works like The 1619 Project, To Kill a Mockingbird, The Hate You Give, This Day in June, and Beloved. Arkansas libraries have not been immune to censorship challenges, so now felt like the perfect time to call the first meeting of our new banned book club. Joining me today in our inaugural meeting are Grecia Cruz, a library paraprofessional in the Jonesboro School District, and Sean Walker, assistant manager of the Technical Services Department at the Fayetteville Public Library, where she's worked for more than 28 years. Thank you both for joining us today. Sean, I want to start with you. You've been in the library business for a couple decades now, almost three. How did you get into library work? Were you or are you an avid reader? I am. Uh, and I, I think I've been an avid reader since at least about third grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were in school, um, we used to have reading groups. And reading groups were selected by, you know, where you were at in your skill level. And we had storybooks. And the teacher would assign us, like, you know, she'd say, reach page one through 15. Well, I, of course, couldn't stick to that one fifteen through 15, I had to read the whole story and was ready for the next. Um, So I've just always enjoyed reading. The first time that I realized that maybe I wanted to work in a library was when actually a former librarian here at Federal Public Library came to our school and did a book talk. Her name was Elizabeth Danley and um, she did the boxcar children. And I think we still have the boxcar here actually. And she came with big drawings in the boxcar and she just gave us the synopsis of the boxcar children. And I was like, that would be so great to be able to read all day and then tell people about the books. Little did I know um, there's more to it (laughs) than just reading books. And what about you, Grecia? How did you come to work in libraries? Big reader yourself? Yeah. um... Kind of similar to what Sean said when I was little, uh, I was always in an an older age group of reading, uh, specifically my fourth grade teacher, Miss Ferris. She just just, like pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and pushed me. She got me into the series of unfortunate events. And I kind of, oh my God, that's like, I I really hold that series close to my heart because 
it got me like even though I, I spoke English um, well, like in school, relatively well, that's how I um, I learned a ton of new vocabulary, just a ton of different, like both like emotionally, but also like in school um, with with words and stuff. But uh, I, I kind of got into working in a library like randomly. I, I had been, uh, ever since I graduated high school, like school, well, even before that, school was always like my safe space. It's always been my safe space. Um, first person I came out to was one of my teachers in high school. Uh, as soon as I graduated, I started working as an interpreter for parents in, in my school district. Uh, then I started working as a school bus driver and I did that for like three or four years. And um, I, start, I started working with our ELL program for our English language learners for about two years. And then I applied to another position and then the principal at one of the schools uh, said, I think you would be good for this other position. Come back uh, another day. <laughs> so because that interview is different. It was like with with all the ad because it's from both both schools. So they had to have admin from both schools. And one of the librarians wanted to be there to see if if we mixed. well. <laughs> and I was like, OK. And uh, she liked me and uh, the admin like Vegas. And then four years later, I'm still still in the library (laughs) so still working with books and things do you and you still have time to read uh yeah I I actually went through like a few years where I didn't read at all it was before I came out that I started again getting into reading I started reading a lot of LGBTQ books because I had honestly never read anything LGBTQ and I read this book called Annie on my mind it's like a book from the 80s and it's still like a it's a really good book I actually um, got it in Spanish and read it with now my now wife we read it over the phone we we actually one of our things while we were getting to know each other and dating is reading like we read over the phone (laughs) we started reading series of unfortunate events Um, we read one of my favorite books, which is The Glass Castle um, in Spanish. I sent her a copy. And so we would read together over the phone. So before going through a period of not reading at all, then I, I just discovered all these LGBTQ books. And uh, I just started reading and reading, reading like, like a lot again. And I, that, that, that passion for reading was, was reignited. And then um, I, I didn't think about it that much at that time, but I think that also helped me to learn more about myself and finally come out to my um, to my friends and family. And I honestly had never thought about that connection until like right until now, between like reading and 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 having the courage to come out. Sean, what do you like to read? Mysteries. I am a big mystery reader. I particularly like the type of books like Joan Hess. She was a local author, wrote um, like the uh, Arlie Hank series and um, the Claire Malloy mysteries. I don't like gory. <laughs> so, I like kind of happy mysteries. So that's what I read all the time. So today we're talking about censorship and banned books. And as someone who has worked in a library, have you ever participated in uh, like a banned book um, display or anything? Because I remember growing up when we would talk about like banned book week, I think it's in September. To me, it was always kind of like a historical thing that like, oh, people used to be mad about books. And so (laughs) now we're remembering like 
that seems silly, right? Like, here are some books that we're reading. And isn't that weird that they, they wanted to ban these? Like, and, and that's how I remembered it. Um, did you ever have, or have you ever participated in something like that at your library? I participated in uh, making a display. And it's really fun doing the research of why books or people are wanting them banned. What happens, though, is we do the book displays and it just increases circulation. People want to read those books because, you know, other people do want them banned for whatever reason. So going from this historical aspect to today where it's not historical, it's actually happening in real time where folks in Arkansas and across the country are saying they want different books taken out of a library or not taught in school, just like these this various um, types of complaints. And, and it seems like, I mean, for me, it seems like it a lot. Is it more than is it more than usual or is it just that it's getting more attention at the moment? I think it's more for schools, maybe than um, public libraries. I'm not saying we haven't had material challenged, mm-hmm. but I think the last time Federal Public Library had something questioned was probably like 2014. Then it was a book called Human Sacrifice, and it was basically, you know, about human sacrifices. Uh uh, They filled out the form. We call it a reconsideration of work form. uh, It was in the juvenile fiction area, and um, we decided to keep it there. We have a process when someone fills out a form for a, um, a book to be reconsidered, you know, to either be taken from the library or moved to a different collection that they fill out and they must fill out the form completely and it goes to the assistant library director she looks it over and then she gives it to the library director who establishes a team of people usually someone who works with that collection someone else in the library And these people will read the book and explain why they decided to put this book in the area, why they decided to keep or why it should be removed. It's it's, um, a real formal process. And then the library director contacts the person who has asked for the reconsideration of work. And um, if they're not happy about the library uh, director's decision, uh, they can take it to our board. And the board does a similar process and uh, the board's decision is the final decision. So you guys just have it all mapped out and very it's it's interesting because it sounds very um, organized very orderly like here's the process. Right right. What has your experience been Gracia do you have something have you experienced anybody trying to censor something at school because you are at a school? We've had one incident maybe um, in school so even though it's it's for it's elementary like fifth and sixth graders usually have access to a little bit more mature material like young adult novels. We don't make the decision of this is young adult this is going to go in there. But when the books are being processed, they, uh, whatever, if the system tags it as young adult, that's when they're tagged as, as young adult and they go in that section. And, um, and, you know, usually kids have to, again, fifth and sixth grade have to take a note home, get a permission slip signed by a parent uh, that goes in our system. And, and those are the only kids who can check out those books because they have permission from a parent and because they're in the correct grade level for that section. Uh, but there was a book that sometimes it has like silly illustrations um, 
and it talks about your body and it talks about like the changes that you go through and um, in puberty. So it had illustrations of like your intimate parts, like saying something funny because it's a chill. It's still a kid's book. It's still young adults still for teenagers. And the, what happened was that a sixth grader who had permission, um, who had a signed slip, checked this book out and unfortunately had left it like out for people to see and was like with second graders and making fun of it. So then that caught attention of another teacher who told the principal and then it was a whole mess. Like the teacher came to the library and they're like, the principal's going to talk to you because this book shouldn't be in the library. And the librarian is like, okay. <laughs> and the principal, the principal did talk to, to the librarian um, but it was more like, hey, this book shouldn't be in the library. This, I mean, this, it shouldn't be checked out at all. And um, I, I think that's as far as it went. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't an issue of you have to take it out. A parent complained. It was more an incident with a student that adults took, you know, I mean, rightfully so had a problem with the way he was, he was using the book. Yeah, but and but in the end, they they both revealed that they personally had problems with the content of the book, and it's like we've had that book for like two three years with no issues, kids checking it out with a signed permission slip, no issues for, again, no issues from parents ever. It was more the adults in the in the own school, which I thought was was interesting, um, but the the actions that were taken were just that student lost their young adult book privileges, and you know we told him why. Uh, what he did and he just like and that's as far as the incident went but um I think as far as like banned books or resistance from parents community as far as book content has been in our public library and I'm not a you know I don't work there but I am very much you know that's where I check out books you know we have community events Um, I mean the library is just so important in all communities Um, before I started checking out books from the library I didn't know how much public libraries actually do (laughs) like host events have free activities for kids authors come in and talk like I didn't know until like you know a few years back but I think in it started in 2019. There was an author who came to talk about kids, about their book, and the author is trans. And um, there was a big backlash from some people in the community who didn't want it because it was it was a teen book. And so, of course, it, they were going to be talking about two, uh, two teens. Um, the event happened. There were no incidents, just a lot of like online mm-hmm. backlash on Facebook and stuff. And In June 2021, there was a Pride Month display in the whole library, but according to the age groups, and ever since then, there has been just this constant, literally legal battle with the members of the community, um, with board members, with with the library director, with uh, members of government from the community against those people and the library. It's still going way farther than just challenging a book like it went as far as trying to propose laws to ban those books from not just the library but even like the kids section the teen section anything that talked about uh, Mm -hmm. gender identity it was mostly lgbtq content and uh, the argument was always that i don't want my kids exposed to that that early 
or I don't want my kids exposed to that at all. So, you know, again, trying to reason like it, the content is per age level. It's not like we're showing something graphic in like a little kid. Like it could be as simple as a book that's called My Mommies Love Me. And literally the whole thing that the book shows is, is a little girl who has two mothers and like they're doing different activities together. Like that's mm-hmm. it. It's just, I would never imagine that my little library would have so much um, happening. (laughs) (laughs) So much happening. Um, But, uh, but recently there's been some more positive things going on. The, The community has been super, super supportive of being involved in those discussions and board meetings. It's just been so empowering to see young people speak up about their own rights in such a respectful and strong way without being disrespectful to the uh, the rest of the community because because I I understand I understand like you pay your tax dollars pay for the library sure. all those free things yes you should have a say in them but also you shouldn't force what you want if it comes at the cost of someone else losing their rights that's mm-hmm. you know so it's still go- <laughs> the battle's still going on, and it's been, again, it's been more positive. There's been new elected members who have really, uh, who have openly, vocally supported the LGBTQ community in in, in my town, and um, while also res- again, while also respecting those members of the community who wanna who wanna voice their their, uh, their wants, um, and we'll just see how it goes. While we haven't had any formal forms filled out for reconsideration of forms. There are people who come in and, you know, question why we have something in the library or why we have it located in a certain place. And we've just found our library staff is really good. Our librarians are really good at talking to these people and just having a conversation. And that takes the care of a lot of um, them wanting to take the book out of the library or something like that, that holds that down. So, I, yeah, I, I think our librarians do a great job of explaining why a book um, has been purchased and placed in our library. How does that process work for those of us that aren't, don't work in a library and don't know? Like, generally, how do you decide what books you are going to pur- purchase and put on the shelves? You know, generally, when I go into a library, I see a lot of variety, but I've never really thought too much about the decision-making process on the back end. Well, um, first of all, uh, we consider our community, the the wants and needs of our community. Librarians use a lot of resources, Um, library, uh, school library journal, what's on the New York seller, uh, best-selling list, but there's a process, a formal process in buying books. They just don't willy-nilly go out and buy what they want. They try to buy for certain subjects. A lot of librarians have certain subject areas that they um, buy material for. So they tried to be knowledgeable in that section and buy materials that are suitable for that section. How do you walk that line of we want to be inclusive as a library and provide a lot of different type of materials with, say, a parent who is concerned about their child getting a hold of material that they don't want them to have? Where's the compromise, right? Because we don't want censorship, but we also, you know, don't want to be the one censoring either. So like, how do you balance that? It's a real fine line. We have different collections in the library. Um, We have 
picture books, easy readers. There's all different type of subject matters. Um, I'm against censorship of any form. I'm just gonna, that's yeah. my opinion. Um, I think a library should be neutral. I think the facility, the collections, programs, technology, anything that we offer should be for everyone. Um, there's all different types of people in our community. So we have to have material for all those people. I just think it's up to the individual to know what you're reading or what your child is reading. We have a lot of guides to help parents with mm -hmm. that. Um, if they want to know a subject matter of a book, we have librarians that are very capable of uh, helping them with that. But yeah, for me personally, I don't believe in censorship. Can you tell me why? So let's say we have someone from the LGBT community or someone that's African-American. They want to read stuff about them. Mm -hmm. That's okay. There's no cut and dry type of person or everybody's different. Everybody likes different subject matters. Mm -hmm. um, and so we should have those sub subject matters available to anyone who wants to read about wizards or race cars or whatever they want to read about. So I don't think we should, you know, my opinion and what I like is different from yours. Mm -hmm. um, you should be able to read what you like and I should be able to read what I like. Nobody should be barred from getting the information they need for whatever reason. Given the increase in this conversation um, across the country, do either of you have any concern of what happens if one of these campaigns, for lack of a better word, is successful um, in censoring something, in having something removed? Is that concerning at all to you that, oh, well, if it happened there, it could happen here? I like to think that we have a community that really backs the library. We have a lot of support from people. I can't think that would happen. I can't imagine that would happen. I hope that doesn't ever happen. I, I just can't even fathom that happening. Not here. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, you had I a think, lot of talk in your community. Yeah. It, and, and like I said, in my community, it's been kind of a little scary because like for someone to take legal action, legit legal action against content that isn't even harmful well again everybody's entitled to their own sure. uh, opinion thoughts and how they're going to educate their children I, I fully support that too but 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 honestly it's, it's just been really shocking and, and it has been scary especially for those like if I if, if I if I'm being honest I don't have children even though I am a member of the LGBT uh, community there's other other people who have faced um harder um, I guess receivement either from their family or from the community uh, especially um, young people who are trans even more if they're POC uh, trans men and trans women so there's all this intersectionality that that makes someone's experience harder than the, even within our own community and so although all of that craziness happening personally it does affect me, but I can't even imagine how it, it affected other people. Like in our, in our, we have a little Facebook group uh, for Northeast Arkansas Pride um, members and allies. 
And just hearing how some of them are like really affected by this attack because they take it personally. And then when I think about it, it is, it is, it's an attack against you as a person of this person is like me. This book has people like me and people attacking it. Yes, it can literally be they're attacking me. So I will never take away from someone else's experience of what they feel as far as uh, that fear. So if it started happening in other communities, I can definitely see it in my community. Uh, but again, like Sean said, the support from the community toward the library is just overwhelmingly positive. Um, as much as, as there's negative, there's even a Facebook group for, called Citizens, Citizens Defending the Public Library in our own community and uh, where they keep up with uh, board minutes, sometimes members of the community uh, who have tried to like have surprise attacks do like last minute meetings. And so they're always trying to keep each other updated and informed. And I think like Sean said, that, that support from the community toward the library, I think that's never gonna go away. And as long as there's, there's that support, there's that uh, want to keep people informed. It's not even like a, of attacking other people. It's just keeping each other informed. I think that as long as that we have that, it, it, the libraries will be will be okay. And have either of you ever encountered an instance where you did have to remove the book entirely? It sounds like it's just more of a like putting in a different section. In our in the elementary library, we've never had to remove a book. And um, in the public library, I think they, they agreed. They actually just released a statement of the books that were in question. And I think the only one that was going to be removed was like a very outdated, a very mm -hmm. outdated book of, uh, of the ABCs that was like LGBT um, focused. And that was the only book that was actually going to be removed, but mostly because it was so outdated. So it had like language that wasn't mm -hmm. um, appropriate. So, uh, but that's the only instance that I've seen uh, that it was actually removed. Uh -huh. Yeah, in my 28 years here, I don't think I've ever seen a book be removed. We may relocate it to a different um, area of the library, you know, say if it's a juvenile book, we may move it to teen or adults, but I don't think we've ever removed a book from the library. And, and generally, do libraries hold their collection not necessarily because someone was upset or wanted something censored but just you only have so many shelves and you're adding new books you know yes we call them quite often you know and we do that by um if a book hasn't been checked out in you know so many years if the information in the book is outdated sometimes we have multiple copies of an author on the shelf because at the time whatever book they have wrote is really popular. Like I can remember at one point having like 20 copies of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. After a while, when everybody gets the book read, we don't need them that many copies. So, you know, we may remove 18 of the copies and keep two of the copies. So we call pretty much daily. So with the idea of banned books, um, I'd love to know some of your favorite banned books, books that, that you like to read that have been on that banned book list. Okay, Garcia, you're like really smiling, so I'm going to let you start first. I uh, actually had to look up because I was like, I don't know what books are banned or not. Sure. But uh, definitely The Glass Castle by Jeanette Walls is one of my all-time favorite books. So little long story short, 
I was born in the U.S. Then in like fifth grade, I moved to Mexico with my mom and my sister. When I moved, I only took, I had a bunch of books that were like religious books that I like to read in both languages. But as far as like entertainment reading, I only had like maybe five, five books in English. And uh, in Mexico, I lived in like a super, super, super small town, like one elementary school, one junior high, one high school. <laughs> and uh, I read those books over and over and over again until I almost like knew them by heart. Like the series of unfortunate events, they had just released the 11th book and I begged my dad to buy it because he never bought me books. He would never want to buy me books. And so he bought me that book. So those were the only books I had. I had a few. Then when I moved back to the States with my dad, I, it was, I was in 11th grade and I discovered that like, oh my God, the series of unfortunate events is finished and it only has two more books. <laughs> Uh, but that summer, so that was my junior year, the summer right before my senior year, I was going to go to Mexico on vacation with my mom. And I asked like two or three of my teachers lent me like a bunch of books, like 20 something books from, from their classroom libraries. And the glass castle was one of them from my, from my English teacher. And I, I love that book. I cried. What's it about? Uh, I'm not familiar. Oh, I just talked about it like everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Fill me in on the secret. <laughs> it's um, it's a it's a it's a memoir, so it's like biography, but it's told as a story of the author. She has a crazy life story. Um, her mom was like either bipolar or schizophrenic or something, and her dad was like adventurous, but he was an alcoholic. Um, and they had like I think it was four children overall, and she was. I want to say she was the oldest, but it could be wrong. And they just have like crazy lives are like being homeless, um, squatting, um, uh, just, it's, it's just crazy. And some of the things I'm like, that did not happen. No, it did. <laughs> they actually made a movie about it when it stars Brie Larson, who I also love. And it's just, I mean, not that I've gone through stuff like she has, but it just, it just helps you feel like it's so relatable mm -hmm. personally, but it also is just, exposes you to someone else's life story and um, how they overcame a bunch of stuff and uh, she became a, a writer a journalist and it's just awesome it's just awesome I highly recommend I highly recommend that book and the movie Sham do you have a favorite uh, or a couple favorite band books probably a lot of <laughs> favorites <laughs> band books. Uh, I'm particular I'm thinking of uh Are You There God It's Me Margaret by Julie Bloom. I'm sorry, that was banned? That was. Um wow. it's about, you know, it's about the uh, girl going through adolescence and huh. um, her um struggle with religion, but in it it also men mentions her starting her ministration. Ah. So yes. <laughs> That's part of the reasons why they wanted it banned at one point um so there's that one harry potter and the sorcerer's stone uh we all the wizardry and magic in it some people didn't appreciate that to kill a mockingbird you know all the right. racial slurs and things like that in that but uh yeah those are just a few um it seems like when i start thinking about books all of them have been challenged for one reason or another. Lately, it's been a lot of the LGBTQ books. Uh -huh. um, 
I can remember one patron at one time coming in and I think it's called My Two Dads or My Two Daddies. And um, it's an innocent book. I mean, it's like she said earlier, it's just about a kid loving their dad mm-hmm. or daddies. It surprises me at some of the books that have been challenged because you read a book and I'm not looking at it that way. And again, it's just opinion. It's somebody else's opinion. And I think it's interesting, too, with libraries, as opposed to, say, a school curriculum, because you don't have to check out the book. You don't have to read it like you might in a school. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to me that libraries specifically get challenged. I can understand like a curriculum at a school because it's like you're requiring my child to read the thing. But I've been really surprised about libraries. Right. Yeah. And I think uh, actually, I mean, working in a school, it's just um, I'm not a teacher, but I hear all the conversations that are being had amongst teachers. And in the past year or two, the conversation has been not even not about books, but it, it ties in about all this criticism towards teachers and towards what they're doing or not doing, either behavior wise curriculum anything and in the end the main topic of conversation is teachers teach it's a parent's job to educate a child Um, and yes some of them do acquire get a little bit more educated in school but ultimately that responsibility is the parent whether you want them exposed or whether you want them to learn about this or not learn about that or be this kind of person or not be that kind of person, that's a parent's job. And, and mm-hmm. ultimately in every conversation that, that we have, we, we come to that point, like like parents want teachers to, to be the parent. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not gonna happen. And the same with reading. Um, it's like you said, like you don't have to check out that book if you don't want your child to check it out. That's your responsibility as a parent. If, and, and actually in the library, I was interviewing for, <laughs> you're gonna like you interview for everything <laughs> I was interviewing for a job at the library and uh, one of the questions was how would you react if a parent wants to see the history of their child's checkout and she and I'm a, and I it caught me off guard I was like wait they can't they can't do that and they're like no that's illegal and I was like what so really? yes and I didn't know that I didn't know that especially like teens Sure. But even like chill, like if, if you're whoever has that card, whoever's name is on that card, um, legally, the agreement is that nobody else can know because that would be a violation of privacy. And huh. I was like, oh, my God, I have no idea how I would react <laughs> um, if a parent came in demanding, I want to know what my children means. Well, you got to go ask your kid. Basic. I mean, obviously not say that, but basically like you if if a parent came in. And, and was curious about what kind of books their their teenager was was reading it you can't tell them you cannot tell them their children's history but I kind of love that little bit of privacy I didn't know that was a thing I hadn't thought about it but I like that you have that privacy yeah and I was like and that's why and that's another reason why it's so scary what that parents are parents are thinking of uh again I'm talking specifically about the LGBTQ community sure. parents are like well I want to know uh I don't want my kid to be reading it and what if your child is a member of that community what if your teenager is discovering his gender or his sexual orientation and that's okay but the parent doesn't want to if they came in and was like I want to know what kind of you, you can't 
you can't and that 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 that, that is kind of, like you said that kind of does give me peace of of mind where it's like wow at least you have you want to get rid of that little bit of 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 security of um oh yeah that little piece of that maybe that kid has that that's kind of that's a little messed up I mean they don't think about it that way again I can't speak as a parent because I don't have kids I, I sure. do not understand that that feeling of wanting I understand that wanting to protect them but I think it's just a whole thing of wanting to protect them from things that they don't understand and, sure. and don't want to understand. So I think that's the real danger. I think that's the, the real danger. It's not, it's not in book and uh, kids can find anything on the internet, on their phones. Yeah, like you're fighting, you're fighting for your children not to see a pride display of, of two moms or two dads or a trans person um, on a children's picture book but they have an iPhone. <laughs> sure. It's like, I mean, it's not the same, but that's my little, my little uh, argument. <laughs> well, Sean, as someone who is a parent, can you speak to a little bit about that um, challenge of wanting your child to be educated, but also wanting to have control over it as well, because you're the parent? Correct. Um, my belief in raising my children, if it was if they're old enough to ask the question, they're old enough to get the answer. Yes, she wanted to make the answer age appropriate. And the library is full of books, age appropriate books that would help answer their question. So um, we may talk about it and read a book about it. That was my strategy. <laughs> we'd talk about it and we'd read a book about it or something so, so that helps me yeah there's always a book in the library on any subject and that's what I like about the library you learn you get information and you can use it in everyday life going back also to what Gracia was saying I'm curious have you ever had a parent come in asking to see what their child has read I can't think that I have okay. I can't think of a time that I have um and I worked in the children's department for a number of years, but um, no, I don't think I have. I think a lot of parents who are concerned about what material or anything that their child might be checking out or they don't want them to be exposed to, I think those parents are really diligent in coming into the library with their child and, you know, um, looking at material and picking out material with them. As we wind down our conversation, do you have any final thoughts about censorship, um, either current or perhaps in the future <laughs> in libraries? I just hope there's never, ever a law that will prevent people reading or having access to materials or information that they need or want for whatever reason. Um, I just hope that I, I full, actually fully trust that the community will always back the library, like Sean said, and I think that's never going away. And as long as that stays strong, and even if some like, like, you know, back out a little bit, I think there's will always be people to to come back in to support libraries, both in schools and in the community. I think that's always that's never going to go away. I think you're right that long term, the community will continue to support libraries because I think libraries are just so important and they they do so much for the community so I think it's just this lovely 
reciprocal relationship that, you know, sometimes other people do want to have a conversation about your materials or whatever, but, um, it's nice to know that you're both hopeful about it. You know, I appreciate you taking the time to share your perspective with us and, and help us, uh, grow our reading list. That was, that was great. Thank you both so much for taking the time. No problem. Once again, my guests today were Gracia Cruz from the Jonesboro School District and Sean Walker from the Fayetteville Public Library. For links to some of the banned books they mentioned, head to our website, argotsoul.com slash affirmative action. You'll also find past episodes of our podcast there, or you can subscribe and listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or Spotify. I'm Antoinette Grajeda. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, take care.